Hello, this is Property Matters, a weekly catch-up on all matters property, supported by Fairview International Property Consultancy and auctionproperty.co.uk. And we're live every Sunday from 10am on YouTube, Facebook and on our website, propertymatterstv.co.uk. And if you're watching on our website, we'd love it uh, if you'd hit the Google review button and leave us a short review on the homepage there. Uh, please get involved by adding your comments onto the comments section. And if you'd like to email us, it's hello at propertymatterstv.co.uk. It's also available as a podcast every Monday after the Sunday broadcast on the platforms you can see over on the side there. And uh, let's take a look at the big news of the week then with our property expert, Joe Joshi. Hi, Joe. Good morning, Paul. Good morning, everybody. Um, yeah, uh, another um, amazing week of uh, stuff that's going on in the property world. Um, course it's always the highlight of most people's subjects so um yeah i'm sure we've got uh, plenty in store for you we've well, got to be a brave man to look into property news at the moment because there isn't a lot of good news is the joe but i guess it's our job to uh, report the news as it happens we've had a couple of years on property matters where the stories have been great and everybody's properties have been rising in value and now we're going to have a at least a year if not a couple of years of it going the other direction so uh, i suppose that's life as they say um we've got a report e by the national institute of economic and social research uh, known as NISA, and they said that the average middle-income household would face a 13% or £4,000 hit on their disposable income in the next financial year. They said the UK would avoid a technical recession, which I think has been confirmed, um, but warned it will certainly feel like a recession for many. They forecast uh, the figures, which of course came out on Friday. Uh, the recession is when the economy shrinks for two consecutive quarters, Although they predict the UK, the, the UK will be uh, avoiding a recession, and that has indeed come out, came out on Friday. Um, and they estimated the economy will grow just by 2.2% this year and 1% in 2024. Obviously, the higher interest rates mean higher costs of lending for businesses and increasing the risk of lower business investment. And NISA said that the, this may affect the long-term growth and product, productivity prospects for the UK. So basically, Joe, mortgage payers are going to have £4,000 less and and their mortgage is probably going up by that a year, I'd imagine. Yeah, it sounds about right, Paul. It's where we, where we are at this moment in time. Um, um, as you rightly say, you know, it's the old story of what comes up, goes up, is going to come down at some stage and vice versa. Um, and here we are in a, in a state of um, sort of turmoil, I suppose, purely because um, of uh, things that are being affected by um, outside events. Uh, at least that's what we're reported uh, that it's outside events, not to say that there's been a, a revolving situation within our own country and our own governments, etc., which probably hasn't helped. And fundamentally, where we are uh, at this moment in time was um, probably just expedited by the trust administration. Um, I'm sure it was going to come at some stage, but I think it was just a, a full throttle. Um, and um, so within 30 days or so, uh, we were left with, with what we are now dealing with. That's obviously interest rates going up. The Bank of England have uh, had consecutive interest rate rises and I'm sure it's not the end, like I said to you before, though I know everybody was hoping that I was a bit more optimistic, but I'm just being realistic. And that is that I think that, you know, the, the stop gap is probably gonna be somewhere around 5%. So I don't think we've seen the end of that. And that actually then causes um, lots of other issues like you say you know shortage in shortage in uh, income against disposal going out and of course even even um in the house prices and and so forth people are just sort of stagnant 
though there are some indication in some areas prices are still doing well but broadly it's a, it's in, in, in my terms it's at neutral at this moment in time um and and there's a correction going on and and that's what's you know ultimately going to be um probably the deciding factor it is interesting because i'm reading this week that there is a number of the members of the uh, uh monetary policy committee at the bank of england who don't agree with uh, the rises that are going on um two of them have at least said uh, voted at the last monthly meeting to say that they weren't happy to add another um uh, couple of points on and um, and that they would have left it at three percent. Interestingly enough, so um, there is a division within them, um, and surely the more it goes up, the more they'll get more divided. But particularly as as their, their point that they're making is is that inflation is likely to come down by itself anyway, as some of these higher energy costs start to to ease off. Yes, I mean, and don't forget, even the guys that do the monetary policy have got mortgages, I'm sure. Uh, and uh, they also are going to look at it and think, well, actually, you know what, we're not going to be doing ourselves any uh, any uh, assistance here by shifting the interest rates up to the levels that are going to be hurting us as well as the, the public in general. But it is um, the way the Bank of England's governor is, is deciding that uh, to bring inflation down, he has to continue to push the interest rates up to ease the pressure on, on, on general um, lending that is going on at the moment. Uh, and that's probably another problem we've got, is not much lending going on and everybody's sitting on the fence. Um, they're talking a good talk, but not generally lending. It's like, uh, you know, let's see what's, what's the next situation going to be with interest rate and, and then decide. Um, I recently had a conversation and I was told that basically um, what used to be a mortgage offer for about three months is now about 15 days, purely because they don't know when the rate could change. And so they need to sort of make that change. And that is a huge pressure on uh, home buyers thinking that, you know, they've got an offer and it's last 15 days. And if they don't actually draw down in 15 days, the chances are that they're probably going to then have to re-go, reapply, uh, re-go through the whole figures and find probably that with a, a, a rate uh, hike, they may not be able to afford the next amount. So there's a lot of, um, you know, um, uh, wait and see situation going on. The National Institute of Economic uh, and Social Research did uh, come out with their report, which was a lot more optimistic than the one from the IMF and also from Ernst Young as well. They both said that uh, the IMF said that the economy would contract by 0.6% uh, and that EY said 0.7%, so uh, a contraction across the year in GDP. Um, so theirs is a more positive re uh, response, but they are saying that they still believe that inflation will be above 3% by the end of 2024. So those days of um, very, very low inflation and uh, very, very low interest rates as a result seem to be uh, um, a, a, a rear view distant memory. <laughs> well, I mean, if we get inflation to 3% or, or a little bit above that, I think under the circumstances where we are sitting at, you know, 9, 10 will be pretty amazing, really, in, in even the next two years. So it's a, it's a huge challenge and a huge ask. But Paul, that doesn't take away the interest and in, in what people have in owning their uh, own home. You know, home ownership is still high on the agenda with everybody. And if there's a way they can actually go and purchase their property, they will. And they and they will work hard. And it could be that they have to do it collectively as opposed to individually for, for a while. Because, you know, they, you can 
um, borrow and be part of a mortgage up to, I think, from memory, about four people uh, on, a, on a mortgage application. And so, you know, if you're going to rent a house, hypothetically, uh, with four people, you might think, well, all four of us could get together and, and um, maybe buy. But so people will continue to do that, uh, even while, you know, we are going through what we are going through at this moment in time. Um, and there is no lack of interest. It's fundamentally um, the borrowing, the lending, and, and the criteria and the affordability uh, factors that are actually affecting it. They're also saying that one in four, uh, seven million UK households will be unable to meet their full planned energy and food bills from their post-tax income in 23-24, up from around one in five in 22-23. That's a lot of households, middle-income households, uh, will face uh, a hit to their personal disposable income ranging from 7% to 13%, reaching up to £4,000 in the financial year. So, I guess, if you're, if you're thinking about this from a kind of um, debt perspective, you know, the, the and, and it does seem because arrears mortgage arrears are rising now already so it does kind of seem that the banks are maybe uh, going to have to with that volume of people take a more open-minded view about whether they you know repossess or how they manage the uh, the repayment of the uh, arrears absolutely i think the main thing there is it's not just about the bank it's also going to be the courts that will turn around and say you know we cannot make these um people homeless um, and because when they make them homeless, where do they go? They're going to have to go on the, you know, the local authority list. The local authority themselves haven't got enough properties to rent. And so at some stage, they're going to just have to say to the lenders that you're going to have to take a pragmatic view. And of course, the courts will be directed to make sure that they are also trying to be helpful to those people. And it's not a great place to be when that happens for families and, and individuals and people, because you know, obviously it's not always their fault. And the, the current climate that we're in, the circumstances that we're in, is, is not genuinely their fault. I mean, they are not the deciders of interest rate rises and they're not the deciders of the inflation going up. It's a, it's a combination of, you know, we've been put in that position. So they've got to sort of work through that. I'm sure lenders will come to the table and assist those where, where it's necessary. And then there'll be those that genuinely are in that situation that can't be helped. But uh, it's a vicious circle. Indeed. And um, the other thing that they're predicting is as personal savings run down, fewer workers can afford to retire early. They're also anticipating that it's back to work for the 50 to 64 year olds who thought pre-COVID that they could afford to retire. Yeah, well, that's never going to happen. I mean, you and I are not going to go down that road, are we? And, uh, you know, we might, we might think it and, and wish it, but um, I, I can't see it. And if you look at the inflation figures as they are and, and the cost of utilities, um, and more so perhaps um, for the older generation where they have maybe reduced the income levels because of their retirement or, or the semi-retirement, and now have got to find maybe part-time jobs or other jobs to kind of subsidise those extra um, costs that are happening on the utilities, the gas and electric and rates, et cetera, et cetera, have all crept up. And um, obviously, nobody's planning. You have to remember that a lot of people never, you know, sort of thought, oh, well, it's 0.25% and uh, we're going to go. Now, I've always said, and I still say it now today, I think the interest rate part, we kind of all knew in our head. We had a preparation that it would happen sometime in the future because, you know, quarter of a percent. We were at one time in my life journey where I sort of 
16 to 18 percent so you know, a quarter percent was a miracle so we knew that at some stage you know it will go and i've always in my mind thought it will probably settle around um, four and a half five percent is probably where the where the real realistic targets are but what you didn't bargain for was all all the other things that came in it's, it's like the tsunami of, of utilities and, and rates and food prices and god knows whatever else that has hit us and that's that's the bit i think that throws everybody out uh, if you took that away it was probably not so bad but if you add that to it yes i mean i i'm having discussions with people where the average household is now having to find basically give or take another thousand pounds a month more just to stand still um, and god knows where that's going to come for most people because obviously they're on certain salaries and so now they're having to do the extra work perhaps and i don't know waiting staff or whatever they're having to do in order to make sure that they can make ends meet yeah yeah they do say that the um the the current rises in interest rates they feel is too aggressive so they agree with the uh, couple of members of the mpc that say you know it's gone too far already um because they say that basically that's going to bear down on the output for 2024 and they also say that of course um freezing the income tax thresholds which they did in in that last budget also lowers your personal disposable income because as your income you know increases the the, the tax rate isn't increasing the, the the barrier where you pay tax isn't increasing of course with that so they're taking more tax effectively from you um and the corporation tax of course is going to affect the investment in the economy so that's why they think that there's got to be a better balance in in, in their view but i guess we'll see what happens next month will we get will we get the next raise um as, as as predicted or not your your view is that we will yeah i I, th I think we're going to get another half a percent um next month um and uh, you know it's it's not a nice way to think about it but i'm just trying to be realistic that they are going to try and beat this inflation down and and, and the governor of the bank of england he thinks that his whip hand is you know to uh, continue to raise the interest rates but at a point where he will stop and the others, as you say, that balance or imbalance will become within the monetary policy, monetary committee. Whereas, you know, at the moment, there's only two of them, but it might become, you know, three to five. And that's when the, the, the change happens. So one, one has a balance and it's a question of where that balance will be. Indeed. Let's move on to our next good news story. And <laughs> it only seems like a few weeks ago that we were heralding in another Minister for Housing. Um, and now we have the 15th in 13 years. And this is an interesting piece by uh, Russell Quirk, who works for a company called um, uh, Positive PR, I think it is. Uh, just uh, let me check. Um, get the right uh, attribution, proper PR, that's right. Uh, and he's a commentator on property, so uh, always interesting to see what he has to say. And he makes an analogy between um, the revolving door at housing and speed dating, the, the notion that you can go out and interview these people and have a brief conversation with them before they're gone again. And, um, and maybe uh, you have to be drunk to actually go and do it. <laughs> <laughs> which which I did find quite amusing. Um, but he makes an interesting point, isn't he? I mean, and, and I wanted to get onto a slightly different angle on this. Um, you know, we've had Lucy Frazier in position for 105 days, and now she's moved on to be culture secretary. Um, he makes a couple of really good points. He said, none of these people have ever had any experience of working in uh, pro property in a professional capacity. Sure, one or two of them have some investment properties and that kind of thing, but that's no more than many other people in the country who aren't asked us to do that job. And and the suggestion is, why is there nobody in that job 
that uh, has experience and should there be people in that department that have specialist knowledge because it it just would make sense because the one thing that's come out of 15 people in 13 years is that we've gone from pillar to post and round the corner and back again without anything really moving forward with any kind of long-term strategy yes I, I tend to agree with russell's view as far as that side is concerned that this revolving door and certainly what I believe is probably one of the most important decisions that we all take. You know, I always use the analogy that what are the top five subjects in most people's lives that, that actually determine or direct their, their way. And, and obviously moving home or having a home is one of the top uh, five, you know, along with, you know, marriage, death and, and divorce and all the other bits and pieces that go, but they all go hand in hand in um with the property now um i don't believe and i i will agree in this situation that uh, uh they have nobody that has of experience that has that sits in the um, housing minister's position uh, in fact um yeah it's an insult to, to the uh, industry really because most people are interested in, in buying a home owning a home these ministers that come in haven't got a clue which is why they last I don't know, not even 12 months in the, in the last one's case i think it's only about three months um uh, if, if that uh, so you know and they just put them in there it's just a job to fill fill a block really uh, the way i see it and not taken seriously and i agree with with russell i agree with our analogy that they're not taking this serious enough um and giving it the credence they actually needs and the person that's heading it all in all honesty is michael gove uh, under his umbrella of uh, the leveling up and I don't think that he gives it as much credence. In fact, he's got more knives out for, you know, taxes and people that, you know, rentals and so forth. What they, what these people don't realise, Paul, is that they are really buggering things up for the average person, you know, who is just looking to have a place to live, a job to have and so forth. But somebody needs to facilitate that. And the facilitators are landlords and so forth. And when they bring these ministers in who haven't got a clue about the housing market or any any one of them even probably have owned a house more than one or two um it's it's an insult to the men that are actually out there um, trying to make things happen in the right way so uh yeah it, it's it's not a great place and i think rishi probably you know needs to get a grip of that uh, going forward and put in someone who actually has an experience and i'm not saying that you know, an agent or, a, or a, an MD of a major company is the answer to, to that either because it's a different angle. But certainly someone who has had experience, someone who has home ownership, someone who's provided a service um, is, is much, much better placed. Um, and perhaps someone who is actually on the ground um, and understands um, what the customers are looking for, what the people are looking for, what the voters are looking for. Um, and that's the sort of person that you probably really need to have in, in a, his, uh, as a housing minister. Well, in recent uh, years, we've had uh, Raab, Malthouse, McVeigh, Pincher, Rowley and Frazier as the most recent ones. Um, and that's led uh, one particular commentator on Twitter, Michael Spicer, to say that you've actually got more chance of becoming housing minister now than actually buying a home for yourself, which I thought was quite amusing. Um, but what's more astonishing is that uh, Richie has appointed his 15th in 13 years. It's the fact that he's about to appoint the 6th in 12 months, which makes it even more um, ridiculous. I mean, we've had six housing ministers in a year. 
And it's not like there isn't some significant folders on the desk to be talking about, you know, house building volume, the lessons from Grenfell, you know, housing quality, affordable rent, shared ownership, cladding, a broken planning system, landlords, reforming council tax, stamp duty rethinking, for example. I mean, the list goes on, doesn't it? The homelessness, you could add that to the list. So it's not like it's a portfolio without some significant social issues. No, that's what I said. I, I agree. I think the portfolio is huge, but they're just filling the job. That's all they're doing. It's just like, oh, well, you know, you'll do for this month. I'll stick you as housing minister. Um, but what the, the, the government, any of the governments uh, forget, it is the housing market, the building market, building industry, you know, that has that is the hub of of most things and uh, it affects a lot of people and a lot of jobs and a lot of kind of businesses but i just don't think they they're taking this seriously so you know um i'll i'll give rishi a call and see if he was a proper man to do the job and i'll i'll um you know go and change the housing minister uh role and um you know you can have joe joshi as the house minister You'll probably have a better chance then yeah, quite possibly. Uh, it is interesting, isn't it? I mean, that uh, housing seems to have been so far down the ladder of priorities for several prime ministers in recent times. Um, you know, effectively, it is kind of a senior job, but it's used often used as like a political football with which to grab the odd headline now and again, that you know, claiming that you've made progress. But the fact that it's taken 10 years to try and even learn the lessons from Grenfell and put things in place. And the fact that we're still so far behind with house building that we, you know, we're building half of what we were building in the 1950s. Um, it's no wonder that these things are just taking forever. I just don't think that they, they value the housing market, but they can use it. There's no win or gain from them other than the fact that, you know, people genuinely and generally are interested in uh, owning their own homes. So they're not actually, interested in what housing ministers are coming to do because they're going to buy it anyway um and i think that's probably part of the reason the job hasn't got any value because they know that it is the nature of the british public to want to buy and own a home and it doesn't matter who's sitting at the top they're not really interested they never even heard of half of it i've never heard of half of these people that are getting housing ministers job i mean i have no idea they they even existed so I don't think anybody really values them, um, but that's because they don't actually value themselves by actually doing something proper for the job that they've been given. And that's because everybody wants to buy a home. I mean, ultimately you can put 10 people in a room and ask them to put their hands up and probably nine, if not eight, where possible, will turn around and say, yes, I'd like to buy my own home. So they, they haven't got anything to do in all honesty, in, in my opinion, but what I'm saying is that um, they, don't actually shine above that um, that situation by actually doing something and saying, okay, I'm, I'm a new housing minister and I'm going to call this, I'm going to sort this, you know, Grenfell Tower situation out. I'm going to, you know, talk to the builders, strike a deal, talk to the Chancellor of the Exchequer and say, look, you know, my division, my department really is bringing value and we need to have the tax cuts or we need to give the tax breaks for this person, that person to continue to want to buy. I've got the uh, kahunas to be able to turn around and say that, um, you know, I want to do this job properly. It's just a role that they fill in. And that's quite disappointing. Um, in fact, it's all, uh, like I said earlier on, it's a bit of an insult to the to the housing market. 
Mr Quirk actually ends his piece by suggesting that the reason that housing is so low on the priorities for the government is that many of the large donors to the political parties in general, not just the Tory party, are actually house builders and therefore it suits them to keep it low profile and on the back burner, so to speak. you have any uh, thoughts on that, Joe? Well, I mean, that's a bit of a, a bit of a silly comment in some ways, because if that is the case, yes, OK, house builders are donors to the Conservative Party and every other party that may come in charge. But equally, those people that are donating are not donating for the good of, of, of the human society. They're doing it because it's part of their business. It's part of them creating that, that link between the government and, and the business community. And they themselves should be ashamed that they have not turned around and said to the to the housing ministers or the government of the day to say, look, you know, we're we're throwing some money into you because we want this to be at the top of the tree, not at the lower of the tree. I don't get why that would be actually a reverse. Because if I was certainly doing a donation, I'd want the government to actually step up the quality that they have for the housing ministers to make sure that we do get more jobs done, we can build more houses. We don't have, you know, the list of people sitting there waiting on a, a list with a council to rent a property because the council can't build and so forth and so forth. So there's so much that they could be doing. So I, I, I find it hard to believe that a, a housing company would want to donate to any of these people and then find that they're actually not doing what they're good at doing and that's building houses. Final story this week, would-be sellers urge not to panic following spike in homes for sale. Um, they're seeing um, a significant increase in the number of properties listed for sale, particularly north of the border, as sellers look to cash in now before high house prices pot uh, potentially fall. According to DJ Alexander, the number of properties currently advertised for sale has increased by 75% in some parts of Scotland when compared with the corresponding month a year ago. The estate agency uh, advertised properties for sale which have increased by 75% in Glasgow when compared to February 2022, up 37% in Perth, 34% higher in Edinburgh and so on. number of properties for sale peaked in December 2022 but remained substantially higher than last year with the greatest increase in volumes among detached properties on year-on-year -year increases to 253% in Glasgow. So that's quite an interesting trend, and I'm sure that's being replicated across the UK. I mean, what is the advice about, what would you say to someone thinking, well, look, you know, if I hang on to this property, I'm only going to get less for it in six months, I might as well get in, but then everybody else is doing it and it's a swamped market. And actually people interested in buying at the moment is is, is falling off a cliff. Yeah, so I think there's a bit of, you know, um, reverse uh, psychology that is going on and it's not paying off and that is that I've got something I want to sell it so the more people that are actually marketing and that's not good for agents but it, um, uh, uh, because obviously they want as many instructions that they, they can have but the more property that is available the the lesser the buyer choice sorry the the more the buyer choice the lesser the buyers is only going to result in house prices tumbling down because it was it becomes a buyer's market um, and we know that market values and market sustainability is based on supply and demand and if the demand is high enough and the supply is limited then the house prices will sustain and maintain the values that they are 
But if they all start to panic sell, which is what is happening in north of the border, so to speak, and some other parts, purely because there's lots of other factors that are coming into it. And that is that they're thinking, right, because I managed to make so much money, let me put it on the market. But as you rightly say, when you got all of a sudden a 75% increase in the number of um, properties available, what's going on there is that, um, you know, the buyers has now a wider choice. And so if you if you were a buyer, you're going to go out there and say, okay, well, actually, there's five in Acacia Avenue, but I used to, there wasn't one before, then there's two, and now there's five on the market in that. I've got a choice now to go and almost negotiate with all five and see which one I can get beaten down to the best possible price. Um, it's kind of logical, but, you know, what happens is there's a personal circumstances that pushes those properties onto the market in the first place, and that is that maybe um, they've been renting it out and now the rental income is actually less than what the mortgage payments are. So one thinks, well, actually, I've got to get out of this because I've got equity in it. Um, but the question with that equity is, let's say if you had a £100,000 equity in your property and you thought, well, if I cashed in now, paid off mortgage, I walk away with you know, £100,000, less costs, so let's say walk away with £80,000, what they forget is that they've got tax liabilities on that, so 40% of that is tax. So reality is, it really doesn't make a lot of sense. But uh, because the monthly commitments are causing the problem, uh, is why people are putting stock on the market and then giving the choice to the buyers who then can beat them down in their prices. So, you know, my, my advice would be, be be cautious and careful about what is required. And if it means that you've got to sort of sit it out for the next 18 months or so and wait for the curve to come back up again, uh, that's probably where, where it would be better for, for people uh, in order to get the best possible value. But um, if they've got lots and lots of instructions going on, then all I'm going to say is they're going to get less and less for their house and that's when house prices will drop. They're also suggesting that there could be a group of people who are anticipating a hike in their mortgage payments, of course, as these rates keep going up and maybe they have to remortgage because they're coming to an end of an offer, for example, and the offer is going to be a lot more than their previous one. So they're having to put their property on the market. And of course, there's a lot of uh, landlords, buy-to-let landlords that are highly leveraged and they're realising that there's no money anymore. So they're going to have to think about what they can do. So some people are going to be forced into doing this in any case, aren't they? And there is no real guarantee that the buyers are going to be out there with so many properties on the market. Well, you know, my thought process on that is that for the last God knows how many years, you've done well. I mean, the interest rate was low at a quarter of a percent. You were getting good rent. Um, and now and you start to adjust your your living standards based on money that is coming in. And now the question is that you've got to say to yourself, well, I'm not getting the same. You know, as a landlord, I'm having to pay more interest rate. But if you want to panic sell, then you've actually done yourself injustice, not only because you've had that money come through that you made on it, but obviously the property went up in value. That property is going to go down in value, fundamentally based on too much supply and not enough demand. And when the supply is very much, it's the people, the buyers that have the choice and they're going to make offers that are substantially lower on top of that you're going to have obviously if it's a buy to let property that you're going to sell you have tax liabilities for both um general tax on, on money that's spent and of course maybe some sort of capital gains tax uh, depending on when you bought it to what you're selling it for so you're really not looking at it 
in the long term and it may be that you have to sustain the tougher situation talk to your tenant if, if it's a buy to let and negotiate an amount at least that's washing its own face for the next 18 months for both parties um, rather than trying to sort of panic sell um, I don't mind from my point of view obviously every instruction more instructions are good instructions for us but the fact is that even in the auction industry in, in this last week we have seen that um, you know not everything is going as well as it, it would be and the reason for it is is that you know people are f finding it challenging getting the money that they want to, to to buy so cash is key at this moment in time if you've got the cash and uh, that that's that's where you're going to actually score the best yeah they were saying that they think that uh, property price correction will occur with values expected to drop by 10 or 8 percent at best um, from peak to trough in this situation but i guess when we were talking earlier on about interest rates being predicted to be back at around three percent by the end of next year if you could literally just take this sort of 20 odd months that we're going to have till then and maybe negotiate as you say with your tenant or negotiate even with your lender in terms of uh, managing arrears and so on and just kind of find a budget that you can work to because if we can get back to something like normality by 2024 the end of that year then you may well be able to ride the storm well that's going to happen Gordon. reality is that is going to happen so you just got to you know hold your horses hold your nerve uh, is probably is, is is the phrase of the day and the reason for that is that you know, there is an, a general election coming up in 2024. Um, and, you know, if the current uh, occupant of number 10 wants to stay there, then he is going to have to work with the chancellor to make sure that they do the things that are going to make make people say, OK, well, I want to, I'm better to stay with the devil we know than the, the red devil that could potentially come in and change the whole game post. So yes, in the two years, the 18 months or whatever is balanced of, of our time, lots of things will happen. And I think uh, my suggestion to anyone would be that you just, just got to hold your nerve. Um, it will change. They make the point that prices in Scotland, for example, have risen by 27.1% since March 2020. So dropping 10% back down still gives you 17% over 33 months, which is not to be sniffed at for sure. Um, and their key message is not to panic. If you think, uh, thinking of buying or selling anyway, then simply get advice and check out the market. The worst thing to do with property is to try and preempt or second guess the future of direction of prices. When you try to outthink the property market, it's always going to end badly. Much better to take a step back, reflect on your circumstances, and then look at whether now is the time to move or stay put. Sensible advice, it sounds to me. Well, it's the only advice we give at Property Matters. Um, and, and that's what I've been saying, that basically stick with it, um, hold your nerve, and it will come It will come good. I mean, in all the years that we've been in this, I've been in the industry, you know, we've had this, we've been here before. And it's not as if we won't come back again. It's just that that's the best thing you can do. But I understand the decisions that some people have got to make. Um, and all I would say is go and talk to your, land, to your tenants and go and talk to the lender. And, you know, communication is definitely going to be the answer to the problem. Well, with positive stories in short supply these days, it's nice to end on a positive note. And on that bombshell, we'll end uh, this week's Property Matters. Thanks for watching. We'll see you again next week.